My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Shaman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal hippie people, searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole, all while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody, the curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together, we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Skeptical Shaman Podcast. As always, I'm grateful we are not doing video because I just got out of the shower. <laughs> I'm having a cup of coffee and I am joined by my dear friend, friend of the program. That's become your official title. Everybody uses it. Roger Ami. <laughs> Roger, we've done an episode before, you've done an intro before, but why don't you remind everybody about what you're about, what you're doing, in addition to editing this podcast? Yeah, sure. I have a separate, my own podcast, High Mesa Mystic Show, named after my practice, High Mesa Mystic, which is, you know, a combination of energy work and coaching, that kind of thing. I think last time we talked a lot about just the idea of helping people break out of thought prisons and you know, I've really been focusing a lot lately on just the paths in front of us. You know, like an episode that was just on our my show was the title started with autonomous humans or automatons, which feeds into yep. a lot of what I think we might be talking about today, too. Have you ever seen them discuss that technology? And it's legit. I've read, quote, mainstream news and quote about it in China, where they're getting to the point with their facial recognition software where they can read micro expressions of, uh -huh. or when someone starts daydreaming and the employee, if they're in a factory or like their version of an Amazon warehouse, they get a little buzz like, uh Oh, your mind's wandering. You're not being productive. And it's like, God damn it. The mind is the last frontier of freedom. And it basically that system, if used properly and consistently would turn you into a good little automaton, I think. Yeah, and I think even the World Economic Forum published a video and showed show they yeah, showed the video right at one of their events. Yeah, and they were promoting the idea of how wonderful it will be in your work environment if mm -hmm. their their AI, their AI systems can just determine who's who's productive, who's working, who's not working. Well, that video, I highly recommend everyone go look for it. it it's wild. It presents it as a good thing because the right. main character, this for instance, cartoon woman. It, it tracks through, I don't know, a little device behind her ear. I think they showed in the cartoon her brainwave patterns. And it, it's like a step up from your Noom or your Apple Watch where it's tracking your sleep and all this stuff. And it's like gives you credits for like your brain health is improving. And you did this and you did that. And what's wild about that is one of the last meetings I had in corporate. I'm not making this up. Someone said, in the future the value of a human being will be their biometric data. And I was working on an infographic, you know, like one of those big sort of pie charts, but with lots of slices of all the things that the human data that people want to slice and dice and buy and trade and sell. And it it is Black Mirror. It is the episode of the people on the treadmill. Have you seen that? 
mm-hmm. where they're earning carbon credits or something by exercising and they're getting more credits by agreeing to watch commercials and it right. feeds into their digital currency, their spend. It's it's a wild time to be alive. I love how well, everyone's like, no, that's not real. I'm like, I had meetings about it three years ago. I think it would sh- shock a lot of people how real it really is, how far yeah. they've progressed. I, I was through, so my day job is in technology and I was invited to a meeting with a group of people. It was a company out of Chicago and this was back in 20. 20- 20 or 2021 and this company had a background in the, basically the, the, the gist of it is the company has the highest end dna scanning devices on the planet they're they're a company in chicago they they're a data science company they're full of data scientists and the the technology angle was all about the value of being in the cloud and data in the cloud and all of that so what was fascinating is I was on this call with a bunch of, you know, nerds and geeks and data scientists and tech people, and they really have a certain kind of lens on the world. But, you know, what was revealed is that they are actively scanning DNA of people that I really believe don't have any clue that their DNA is going to this company because they're they're a third party. They're scan- they, they also had contracts for all the uh, COVID testing, right? So they're getting, I mean, who knows what they have access to? But they they talked very openly about the digital twin concept, but yeah. it's full blown. Like they said, you you do have a digital twin in the cloud. And well, why don't you explain to people what a digital twin is in case they're not? I'm familiar with it because it's a big thing in corporate real estate. But well, yeah. I think yeah, I mean, I'm, I would imagine there are different takes on this, right? I think there's a there's a marketing kind of concept, right, where you've got a representation of people in in the systems so you know like you can model what their choices or how to market to them but what was fascinating about this conversation i'm referencing is they have the dna of millions and millions and millions of people so that is also in the cloud right so the digital the concept of a digital twin i think goes like what is the limit right it's a it's a virtual analog of you some corporate real estate digital twins you can have one of a building Mm-hmm. So you go in, it's a model. It has the same number of floors, same square footage, same da-da-da. And you can model different floor plans or, or different, let's say, traffic patterns. What happens if we turn the sensors off on the weekend? Shit like that, right? That's right. a that's a, a one-on-one digital twin. With humans, our digital twin is like, okay, yeah, their biometric data is indicating this. Here's what's going on with this. How do we model this? And I doubt it's going to be focused on the individual. Right. It's going to look at population level, and maybe they'll segment that. But I can't imagine they're not going to use it to engineer various social reforms or whatever. I'm not into it. And it's it's funny that this is the thing we're first talking about, because to me, this is like the, you know, in a cartoon when someone lights a bomb, you know, that black Mm. round bomb and they light the fuse (laughs) and it's, it's going, this is the bomb. And people may not see it yet. And the defense against this is embracing our inherent humanity at every turn. I know that sounds like a vague thing, but it's not. And we'll get into it. And spirituality, intuition, discernment, self, like self-trust, like self I don't know how else to put that, at a time like this is going to be crucial. And it, you and I have been talking a lot, mainly because we're both fired up, about how people confuse in, in this world of woo, I, I think a lot of places, the map with the territory. Mm-hmm. The idea that like, 
oh, this human design system or this law of attraction or this numerology or whatever it is, if I just do this and I, I get the map, then I'm there. I'm at the final potential stop on the right. It's like, no, that's a tool that you can use, one of many, to orient yourself and navigate things. And I always like to tell people, you know, you'll look at a hiking path on a map. I've done this in California, by the way, in Marin, on the coast, and thought, oh, it's four miles. I walk six miles every day in Chicago. But like, you're looking at it, you get up there and you're like, oh my God, I'm not a goat. My ass hurts, my thighs hurt, I'm thirsty, I don't wear enough sunblock, what the hell's going on? Wait, there's signs about mountain lions? That wasn't on the map. And the lived experience of navigating the terrain is, is a completely different 3D human thing. It's a lived experience, not something that can be succinctly articulated in a 2D rendering, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's get angry and <laughs> pissy about stuff. You had mentioned to me the other day, quote from your teacher, Dr. J, whose book mm -hmm. is tremendous. And I use it in the coaching program because of you. And I think it's the perfect encapsulation of this concept. Yeah. So just quick backdrop. I studied with Dr. Jelicic for a couple of years, uh, way back now, around, I think around 2012. A fantastic experience. I, re I really have a lot of respect for him. And it was a very small group and it was very intense. You know, I mean, Dr. J is a very, he's very, I don't even have, I don't have, I don't even want to try to describe him. He's, he's, he's just the real deal. And he's very thoughtful in how he teaches. And we're learning about, we were learning about a lot of really amazing things. And, and, you know, there was a tendency for some of us, you know, to, well, you know what it is, it goes back very much to what you're talking about, because you start to get the concepts, you start to get the map and rather than or the temptation, right, is to race ahead, look farther yeah. out on the map, you know, give me more map, give me, give me more. Give me other oh, maps. Give me other yeah. maps, see, see what's out there, rather than really do the work to integrate what you're learning in the moment. And yeah. what I really give Dr. J a lot of credit for is, you know, for with me, at least every step of the way, his guidance was, you know, take your time, you, you can hit the pause button, you have to process, you have to integrate everything you're learning or you're going to become ungrounded, you know, distracted and so forth. But yeah, there was a, there was a particular time in class and he was, you know, it, I don't have like the specifics, but it was really just this conversation about some of the multidimensionality, like, of, mm -hmm. you know, our own multidimensionality, the, the multidimensionality of chakras, for example. And then somebody, you know, w with good intentions, they started talking about, Oh, I heard, you know, in the eighth dimension is this. And I heard these 15, the 15th dimension is this other thing. And, and Dr. J very patiently looked at the person. He goes, I think you have enough to deal with in the fourth and fifth. And, you know, like, let's just get grounded and get focused back where we are, you know? Right. Yeah. There's, I'm going to just say it. Everybody I've ever talked to who wants to quote ascend, who thinks that, you know, this is the big focus for them is to go 4D, go 5D, go 6D. They want the Pleiadians to come pick them up for some kind of like cosmic picnic or and or and it's usually the same archetype really desperately wants to jump timelines so anybody in in woo you've probably heard the phrase like well this is this is the wrong timeline we have an opportunity and we can we can get on another timeline and there is something to that in quantum mechanics right but but 
every time I hear this from someone, that person is their life in 3D right here as a human is in goddamn dumpster fire. Like it never fails. It's never someone who's like, I've really done what's in front of me really well and completely. And now I'm like ready to keep it moving. And there's a, also a simultaneous, very pronounced denial of the human condition. The yeah. human experience is this mirage. It's Maya. It's illusion. This is a prison planet. Da 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 da. Right. And it really reminds me of old school fundamentalist religion, mm-hmm. where it's like you know they say ascending to higher dimensions or jumping timelines. I hear go to heaven. Right. They say like you know this is a flesh prison. I hear the body is inherently sinful, and you must renunciate your impulse. It's very puritanical. Which is funny because these are crystal hippie people. Yeah. And they just go in these loops of like, okay, this is the thing. You know what? I'm not moving forward because I never figured out my human design. I didn't get my anagram done. This is going to be the thing that unlocks everything. And then I'm going to have normal relationships. Like someone's going to want to touch me when I'm naked. I'm going to be like this spiritual guru. Everything in my life, money realms, all of it's going to go away. And it's magical fucking thinking. Yeah. It really yeah. is. And people sell it that way knowing it's hopium, knowing they don't need to d- deliver. They just get paid and then they're gone. Yeah. There's a lot to this, right? There's a, a, one very specific memory that cropped up while you were talking was class I was in. And this is what I was studying with Brent Baum and he, again, another really amazing teacher, but there was a student in the class who was talking about seeing auras and he got all excited and was talking to everybody. And he turned to me and he goes, because you can see auras, right? And I'm like, no, I, I don't see auras. And the whole tone, right, was of like the, the message was, well, you don't see auras. Well, then you're missing everything. You're missing the, you're like, what do you mean you can't see auras? Of course you can see auras. And my message back to him was, I don't need to see auras right now. I've got, like, I'm dealing with a lot of information. I am who yeah. I am and I'm okay with who I am. And it's funny in this world, how much resistance you'll meet with other practitioners, let alone other yeah. you know people, and the clients that I work with, like you know anybody, any of my clients that might be listening to this, they like they will tell you, Roger's always talking about accepting yourself, acceptance, mm-hmm. acceptance, and all of these different forms of rejection, rejection, rejecting who you are, your station in life, what's going on outside of you. You it, it leads to literal disintegration of your own yes. psychic structure. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. And you know, when you were talking, I really thought that it reminds me of were you ever in the Boy Scouts? Because I was a Girl no, Scout. No. I was really into it. And it's like people going to these different retreats, getting these trainings, learning these modalities, whatever. It's like earning merit badges. Mm-hmm. Except that in Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, merit badges signify like a real pragmatic, actionable skill that you have now that could save somebody's life or, you know, whatever it is, build a fire. You're you're a navigator. You manage to lead people on a hike, right? Or you've done community service. These are practical things. There's a merit badge thing in in the Woo community where people go, well, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? Have you done this? Have you da-da-da-da-da-da? And it's like, hey, man. I'm doing shamanism every day. I got, (laughs) to your point, I have plenty on my plate. And life brings me spiritual challenges and opportunities all the time. And I want to talk about that a little bit, the idea of like gratitude of being present 
you'll see spirit everywhere. You understand you have plenty of work. Like you're not in a rush to get another merit badge. You're still working um, on a basic one. But before we do that, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the maps, if you will, like the metaphor of this that get confused for the territory. Because I made a short list when we were first starting. Law of attraction or what's called manifestation gospel, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big one. Uh, James Arthur Ray was one of the contributors of The Secret. Oprah Oprah featured him. And I want to talk about him because he went to jail for a reason. And Mm -hmm. it's a very interesting story. The Abraham Hicks thing. What's the other name? Abraham and what are their names? It's a couple, right? Oh, it's it, it's Abraham Hicks is the merger of uh, Esther Esther Hicks and Abraham is Thank the collective you. consciousness. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. they channel this stuff. It has a lot to do with law of attraction, yeah. manifesting, magnetizing what you want, human design, which I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with any of this, by the way. It's just right. the way it kind of gets implemented. I found that the human design people, like I'll try and consume their content. And it makes a lot of sense to them because they're in the map. Like right. they, they're in Sim City now and they're like, and then this and this and this diagram. And what I'm noticing in that space and several like it, like anagrams or certain other modalities is it, it doesn't ever pull it down to human scaled language. Like, hey, you know what this kind of means for you every day or how right. like, it's this wild trip without a destination. <laughs> that's how yeah. I feel. And maybe, you know, that's by design. Even I'm on a level with you, even Reiki stuff, right? And you and I are on the same page with this. We're both Reiki attuned. We've done Reiki, yada, yada. Reiki people, man, if you sit down (laughs) with some Reiki people, they will tell you these spinning circuitous tales of Reiki and what you can do and what you can't do. And I'm like, this came from some guy in Japan who like got hit with this data on the side of a mountain. And what you're talking, I don't know what this, there's an inclination to really complicate it or give it like lore. It's almost like fan fiction, right? Like people adding to Game of Thrones. And it's like, but that's not in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, I was fortunate with Reiki. I, the, my teacher in, I, that I studied with with Reiki was very clear with us about when you go out to practice Reiki, only practice Reiki. Yeah. So she was very, she was very much about the lineage and wanting to kind of keep it pure, so to speak, right? Like and simple, right? And it's well, it is simple, and that's the thing. And I, I mean, I, I had a very humbling experience with Reiki. So it, I, you know, I took levels one, levels two, level two, and had really profound experiences both times. And then I went yeah. to study with Doctor J. I, my ego started to get, you know, inflated. I'm thinking, oh, I'm studying with a master now. It's I've, I'm doing the spiritual healing stuff. And I thought I was above Reiki. And then I had people reach out to me, you know, wanting me to contribute to certain projects and whatnot with Reiki. And I felt like, well, I never went back and got my Reiki master's level or whatever, never got that attunement. And I really trivialized it, minimized it. I thought, well, I'll just go do this. It's just a weekend, whatever. I'll just go so I can check off the box. Yeah. Total ego, right? I went and got the master attunement and it it almost destroyed me. I mean, it, it was... I Is can't this even one explain. Where you got really sick. Got really, really, really yeah. like. Man, I think I got maybe sicker than I've ever been in my entire life, and and I had visions. So, and, and so the thing is, right? Like I, Reiki's paradoxical because I really believe. I mean, me, you know, my take on it is I I think it is not from this planet. I think it's yeah. I think it's been given to humanity, 
but what we're talking about is what do humans what what do humans do with anything right like it's so hard to really you know bring something forward live with it and like you said it's simple and that and, but hey people have this tendency to want to add things to it and you know call make it their own and call it something new and and this gets into the whole, all the pressure around marketing and having oh, yeah. some new whiz bang widget and yeah but but race is a fascinating thing hyper novelty wanting to add your spin well everything something. becomes like a form of entertainment at the end of the day yeah. right rather than what it really is and and you know the kind of the other fascinating dynamic about all of this to me is i've been thinking a lot lately about how right if you if you had an easy life and you're physically well and you're not around a lot of difficulty you're not going to become a healer right like that's just the, the, you become a healer because you have to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what uh, the crux of a lot of what we're talking about is you, you start down this path because you have to, right? I think, I think over and over you'll hear, I mean, this was yes. my story, right? I really had no choice. I either had to, you know, get, come clean with myself, get honest, or I wasn't going to live. And I, you start down the path and then you, there are all these temptations and some of those mm-hmm. temptations are coming from very dark places. Yeah. And some of them are just innocent, you know, distractions. But either way, the healer that's healing them that has to heal themselves to master any of it, there's there's a, there are endless opportunities every step of the way to to get off the path because it's hard. It sucks, it's not easy, it's not comfortable, there are no easy answers. You know, everybody like deep deep down, right? There's this the human condition is you know, you want the human wants to be safe. And so yeah. we're always looking for shortcuts. We're looking at that map. We're looking for well, an easy in map, out. In that context is like a binky. Yeah. You know, like exactly. when you were a it's kid. A safety, yeah, it's a safety blanket. Yeah. You had a safety blanket or a whatever. And, <laughs> you know, I've been writing about this. I haven't posted it yet. But there's this thing that happens where people are so insecure and they want so much certainty. In spiritual work, regardless of modality, nothing is certain. You got to let that go immediately. Exactly. That, that's yeah. nonsense. That they fixate on the map. The map it becomes the binky. It's comforting to them. It feels nice and finite and contained and clear. And think of it like they're on a hike and they're staring at a goddamn map instead of looking right. up and around. And they're right. stepping into pet pitfalls. And actually, you can look at a map or GPS system or whatever you want to use for this metaphor so hard that you actually get lost. And the other day oh, I saw yeah, this yeah. clip because I was thinking about this concept. Remember in The Office? I'm sorry. I think The Office is brilliant. I know it was network TV, but it's so funny. And there's an episode where Michael Scott's in a rental car and Dwight, assistant to the regional manager, is in the front passenger seat and they have a GPS and they're going somewhere. And the GPS is like, turn right. And Dwight's like, yeah, but no, you can't. There's a lake there. And Michael Scott literally starts screaming, the robot knows, the robot <laughs> knows, or the machine knows or something. And he just drives a rental car right into a body of water. And he yeah. literally still is going, but it, the GPS knows something we don't know. <laughs> it's this denial of the reality being perceived by your own eyes and ears in lieu of an external authority that you think knows better than what you're looking at. Right. This now. is huge what you're touching on because again, this is by design what's happening where we are being trained to hide, ignore, squelch our own inner knowledge, our own mm-hmm. subjective experience and being trained to tune into what the machine says, what the algorithm says, what what the AI says. Uh, yeah. And it's more prevalent today than ever, right? I mean, 
I have, I have people that I, that I care about respect that are intelligent people who are very much excited about the whole AI thing and where it's going and what it means. And, uh, it's really, really wild, you know, you know, I think about it. I don't think it's new. I think it's an old, I, well, it's ancient. That I, mean, I think it's ancient. come back. Yeah. yeah. But this and, is hard for a lot of people to wrap their mind around, right? Because again, the, we, at, we, this is, this is what I think is so challenging is why, why do we believe what we believe and how many people stop to ever question the source of their beliefs? And when we talk about AI, right, I, there's all this modern mythology, like around Bill Gates, for example, or, or Steve Jobs and Apple. And we've, we've built up these modern archetypes and we think that they are, that they're these boy geniuses who are off in their garage creating all this stuff. And we, there's very little insight into where things really have come from, where the origins are and what, and what the purpose of it really is. Yes. And speaking of mythology, so one of these maps that I find particularly odious in terms of what it does to people and how it erodes a spiritual landscape that I'd like to see be more human oriented is the the law of attraction shit. So yeah. manifestation, abundance, gospel, this nonsense. And I don't know if people know this, but James Arthur Ray, who was one of the contributors to The Secret and sort of modernized this and I would say productized it, like this older concept and put it into like the Burger King model of it. Like you can have it your way. He There's a, a podcast documentary series called The Goop about him. And there's also like video documentaries and the Seeking Safely pledge, Roger, that I took is yep. a result of people who lost children to an event James Arthur Ray hosted. So it was out in the desert. I want to say somewhere in Arizona or something like outside of Sedona. This guy was doing this big, you know, we're going to do law of attraction together. We're going to do a sweat lodge, yada, 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 cultural appropriation, left, right, center, actual cultural appropriation. The Native Americans are like, you don't do it that way, buddy. And he was like, no, you know, I'm a spiritual genius and a leader. If you ever listen to this podcast or look into the story, by this point, these people have spent tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars with this man for various co coaching packages. And this was like the warrior event. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to release all of this stuff that's been holding me back. So he sort of repackages whatever hasn't been going well in their life, blames it on them. Like, this is what you've been attracting. This is what you've been magnetizing. Everything in life is a mirror, which is utter or shit. And I can get into why that's utter. There's a vein of truth in it, but you're not omnipotent. You're not God. You're not actually in control of the fabric of reality. You and only you puts everybody in a sweat lodge. They're saying things like it's too hot. And he's like, are you going to do this or not? You know, one of those things, a bunch of people fucking die. They died, um, man. In one of the worst ways you can die, which is being so hot that your organs just start shutting down. So he gets charged. He goes to jail for something like reckless, I don't know, some kind of homicide that's not first or second degree murder. And uh, it might be negligent homicide or something like that. Gets out of prison. And the first thing he does is starts a coaching program mm -hmm. costing tens of thousands of dollars about like, if I can overcome that, you can overcome anything. And he turns it into a product. I'm like, people are dead. And that should tell people a lot about that mindset. No empathy, no humility, no like, you know what? I should let this breathe a little bit and maybe I made a misstep and maybe I need to chill out. The reason he doesn't do that is because he needs the fucking money. He needs money. That's the only reason he's doing any of this. And if he's doing that now, that's what he was doing before. 
And everybody on Instagram is talking about like, you know, like all of this manifestation law of attraction stuff. Like it didn't come from that source. Like they have no idea of where that nonsense came from. Right. And how corrupt it is. And also how it teaches people to sit and stew and blame themselves and self-flagellate for everything not going right. And that if they just light a goddamn abundance candle or do a vision board, that it's going to be okay. And everything bad that happens to them is something they're creating. And it's, it's created an entire victim class of human beings. It's yeah, more, more and worse than that. Right. Because they're like, I've talked to people who are afraid they're going to cause harm to somebody else because they're worrying about something, right? They're, They're, it's not just that they're a victim, but they're worried that they're doing harm just by their own natural human concerns, emotions, thoughts. I think I shared with you, Rachel, the my my introduction to the law of attraction. My life was, you know, a train wreck. I was at the time I was really searching for community and all these things, and I didn't really know a lot about it at all. And went to a meetup in Chicago, you know, a law of attraction meetup. But this was way way back, right? I think after like right around the time the secret was coming out. So I, I go to this space. It was a great little space in the city, and it was a there were chairs. Everybody was sitting. It was crowded, and there was all this. It was there was a lot of energy. You know, it felt it felt kind of cool at the, at the beginning because it was like everybody was so positive. It was kind of exciting, and then I'm sitting there, right? And keep in mind, like at this point in time, my my father had just died. My mother had cancer. I was going through a divorce, right? A lot of very yeah, challenging. You were magnetizing all of that too. I was Roger. magnetizing a lot of uh, <laughs> death and mayhem. Yeah. Do you and, hear uh, how like cruel and mean? Well, that so is? this is it, right? So I'm sitting in this room with all these people, and they're they're yeah they're showing their vision boards, and they're attracting this hot bimbo or this super fast car, or this crazy <laughs> like awesome job where they don't have to work and they'll make a million dollars. And I, at that point, I was just like, I like I don't know what what's going on. Like it was bizarre and. It got to me, and then I said, "Well, I don't even know. Like, I'm here's what I'm dealing with." And as I started mm-hmm. to uh, articulate some of the challenges in my life, I, I basically became. I, I think I've used the term like I had cooties. Like everybody yeah. in the room started scooching away, and like nobody would even look me in the eye, and it was really, really surreal. You know, like no human empathy, no compassion. A, almost a disgust response to use a clinical psychotherapy term. Very right, very, like that, a, well, yeah. yeah. They, well, they were terrified that my whatever was going to rub off on them, you know, like, yeah. so and I just want to say, you know, that th- there are there, the law of attraction, I think, is real. I think the, the yeah. and it is ancient and it is a law. But the problem is it's one of many laws, right? Like, yes, it's this this gets into this uh, the sins of omission thing, right, where it's are, are, are people that are teaching the law of attraction, teaching valuable information some of it is very valuable. Some of it can be very beneficial, but it it's distorted. It can be very easily distorted and and used for profit and co-opted and, and those kinds of things. And I have never encountered it in the wild being taught by someone who's abundant. Of course not. Truly. Right. Ever, ever, ever. And it turns into a real multi-level marketing scheme in particular, law of attraction, abundance doctrine in particular, because- it's a trainer who's going to train people to train people. And then the yeah. shape of that work, formal or not, starts looking a lot like a pyramid. Yeah. And all it is is training people to train people to train people. And it's built on recruitment, just like Herbalife, yeah. just like Lula Rowe. 
there, it's not about the value of the product. It's about right. scaling at the bottom of that pyramid. Every time I see that, I, I just instantly go, it's unsustainable. The people who get in at the bottom are never going to be where the person at the top is. Because usually there's a percentage that continues to get kicked up to the yeah. original trainer, right? Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of that. But like, if oh, I yeah. train you and you go train somebody, you give me my cut, yep. right? It's a, yep. it's a mafia structure. <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating. And that's not abundance either. Like, you know, so it's it's interesting because I'm not, a, as you know, I am not a renunciate. I don't know if that's shocking to the listeners, but, you know, I drink alcohol, eat food. I like money. I actually physically like touching cash money. Like sometimes my husband hands it to me just because it, it makes me happy. And, but I'm not like, I don't make life decisions about how much maximum money I could get out of every situation because that's a horrible way to be. That's the opposite of abundance. That's all yeah. scarcity and famine thinking and behavior. Yeah. You really have to like love what you do. So you have energy for it, build something that's real. And, you know, I think the other thing people don't see is the reality of what's going on on the other side of that Instagram screen in that oh, person's life who's saying this works for me. You don't know that. <clears throat> Are they publishing their financial documents for you are you looking at their tax returns do you know what their status is how much debt they're in you know how do you know they didn't get a divorce settlement that's propping them up and making it look all abundant and good you don't know yeah. that there's it's a completely like social media is itself so distorted and if people would just spend a little bit of time honing in on what they feel about the people they know in their own lives whether it's yeah. at work or your community, or it could be even somebody you just bump into occasionally. Again, this comes back to the importance of subjective experience and inner knowing, right? Yeah. If you begin to feel into the happiness or lack of happiness and the people around you, the people that you physically interact yep. with, that's that's a better actual GPS. It may not be a map, right? There's no there's no easy answer, but it will give you a better direction and then looking well, at what's going on on social media. That's you in the woods, right. smelling things, looking around you, being present yep. with the reality of the territory and going like, you know, I know this map says this, but that riverbed, it's not exactly where the map says or it's trusting yourself and your own experience. Yeah, This is another way to look at the value and the importance of being grounded. I think yes. it's, yes, being grounded is, you know, putting your feet on the earth and you know, all of that, but it's really about presence and about being where you are, being in the moment yeah. and observing and feeling and sensing. One of the things that I have noticed about people who really cling to maps is they have a very hard time practicing gratitude or being in a state of wonder and awe with the unfolding of spiritual phenomena, right? Like you could you could really put on a dazzling show, right? You could you could full on get a ghost to show up at a seance and they're going to shrug their shoulders and go, so what? What? Mm -hmm. They didn't tell me the secrets of the universe, da 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 And there's this just, in a, they can't receive any of the, the wonder of life, which to me is the heart of spiritual practice across modalities. I don't know if you've encountered that too. No, it's, so the, yeah, I definitely. And I think the key here is, to experience and receive, you have to be vulnerable. And the reason why people do go after the map and cling to the map, so to speak, is 
that difficulty with being vulnerable. And this all comes back to this, you know, seeking safety. You know, they, people, we want to pretend we're safe. I, someone said, I heard someone say the other day, uh, I know, you know, I've come to understand or learn the universe is looking out for me. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't think the universe cares like either way. I think this is where Star <laughs> Wars, I think this is where Star Wars gets it right with the force, right? Like yep. the universe is probably neutral and probably rather indifferent. Now, the, what the other the layer to add on to that is I personally believe we live in an interactive reality. Like our whatever this realm is, whatever is really going on, we are consciousness and what we're in, they interact with one another. So it all on its own, it may not care at all about whether we're protected, not protected, live, die, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's again, it comes back to us. Like what are we doing with our energy, our consciousness? And what I'm not saying is wake up in the morning and surround yourself with white light and ha- be all love and light and th- nothing bad will ever happen to you. Like what I, what I am saying is there's, there's great benefit in mastering your own, like, tr- first of all, know thyself, really being honest with yourself, yeah. mastering your own energy. And, and then again, like you have to pay attention to what's happening around you, the synchronicities, the signs, the, it's, it's very interactive. What we're in this hall. It's like, I've, I've talked about the hall of mirrors so mm-hmm. there's a lot of distraction, a lot of illusion, delusion, but in 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 all of that, there are there there are signals in the noise. But that we, we have to tap into what's inside of us. And in my work, I always come back to the heart center because I think the heart center is multidimensional and it helps us really tap into that to, to that kind of truth. Well, it's funny because as you're talking, you know, one of the things that I a quote a Chuck Close quote popped in my head. And I know this is about creativity and like being an artist, but it's also about everything, especially in my opinion, shamanism. So I'm just going to read it. I pulled it up. Sure. He said, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. If you wait around for the clouds to part and a bolt of lightning to strike you in the brain, you're not going to make an awful lot of work. All the best ideas come out of the process. They come out of the work itself. Right. And I think, you know, what I was touching on and you were talking about this, like what I perceive as or what presents as a lack of gratitude for an inability to see the miracles in the mundane, if you will, is sort of also this waiting to be wowed by God. And God is not here to entertain and titillate you. The divine energy, whatever's going on, whatever's out there, is not concerned with whether or not they're serving you. And that's a, a super weird dynamic that I've encountered way more in the last year than at any other point doing this work. Yeah. And it's in such contrast to other clients that are just like, oh my God, you know, and it's it's not even like I as a practitioner need them to be wowed and I need to feel, you know, mass but you can feel this huge difference between someone where it lands, like they're able to receive what's coming through, even in their mm-hmm. own work, on their own, not just with me. And then the person who, you know, there could be a UFO hovering above them, they go, So what? How do I know that's what this is? So, so what yeah, does right. it mean? What is What's the significance of this? Why should I care? And it's like, how are you not blown away by this right now? This this is a huge challenge. Uh, you know, I've for me, a lot of my journey has been throat chakra work. And I was at an event where Dr. J actually shared with me specifically that the part of the challenge is to learn how to share what you're what you have to share, what you're receiving to give that, and then be detached from the outcome. But yeah. here's the rub, right? Like, to, like doing energy work is just to use that as an example. Because I, I had a I had a client at one point that came in and this client was facing an end of life scenario, and you know, 
the client the, the client came to see me as basically as a favor to someone else she was working with. Yeah. So the, the other the other practitioner said, "Hey, can you work with this person?" And the client came in and um, and I did the work, but it was super clear when I checked in at a spiritual level that this client uh, was there really to be polite. It was they were there to be polite to me, be polite to the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, this client had already decided at a soul level that they were done. They were done with this lifetime. They were leaving. And they did literally did not want any healing energy at all. And so, right, my job then is to respect that and honor that. Yeah. That's their decision. That's their free will decision. And, but, but what I'm what I'm saying is that what's tricky about this work is we're we we are lining ourselves up and we are conduits for this for this information for the gifts for the for the energy and. I don't know what your feeling is, but I, I I have had the concern at times. Like if I'm not if I'm not passing that energy through me, then it starts to it the the signal weakens. Like it's yeah. like it needs it needs to go someplace, and that's our job. Yeah. I mean, to find it's the you know the pearls before swine is a crass way to put it, but it's the it's this. <laughs> It's that yeah, I get it's where that I get where that comes from though, right? Like it's it's like you it's on yeah. us to ensure that what we're what we're offering we're offering in the with dignity, with respect, with honor, right? To honor well, the gifts, to honor the energy. So many other practitioners or trainers or whatever, they're willing to kind of blow smoke. They're willing to go, okay, you want more maps? I'll give you more maps. Here's an infographic. Here's this. Oh, you want to know the answer to the universe? I'll give it to you. Here it is. You know, I really need think- money. I really think we're at this, this inflection point of uh, it's all entertainment to to a lot of people. Yeah. I really believe but it creates that, an unrealistic standard for people like you and I who do, of course, it, for real. And then yeah, people absolutely. go, "This is it." And I'm like, "What do you mean, this is it?" Yeah, I'm not going to no, blow a bunch of pure Molly into your face. Like this is <laughs> this is not a rape. This is not a movie. Yeah. This is life, right? Yeah. And they don't they don't want that. And it creates this weird uh, delta between the real work, which is maybe feeling anticlimactic to someone who wants to be in hyperstimulation. Yeah. And, I just think it's gotten yeah. way worse. Like I remember when, like years ago, I was learning, I was one of the pretty well-known shamans. I can't remember the person's name, but they were sharing, it was a, it was an interview and it was like a documentary style interview. And the person, the interview and the shaman said, talk to us about outcomes and does your work always help people and that kind of thing. And this person said, well, sometimes the best outcome is death. And, you know, that, that it's in other words, right? Like if a person is going to show up and for the work, they have to be willing to risk things. And it doesn't mean it's going to be shiny and a pretty story and a pretty picture, mm-hmm. right? Like the real work isn't about how it looks on Instagram, right? Right. And also if you got, let's say you got all the answers to like the mysteries of the known and unknown universe. Well, where do you go then? I, I think people don't finish the thought exercise of, well, and they'll say things like, it's about the journey. It's like, but you don't act like it's about the journey. And when you're present every day, there's an unfolding of magic and you get answers. And then there's deeper layers to those answers. And it's not like everything goes out the window every time, but you go down into the archaeological detritus of it and it deepens in its meaning and significance for you. And I don't know that a human, even one who's really advanced, can tolerate all of it all at once when they want it. And there's a lack of maybe awareness that the universe is pacing things out for you. Right. 
And in that way, maybe they are looking out for you. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe it would break your brain. Maybe it would be an anti-climax. Maybe you wouldn't have I, I to, just think to continue. It's, yeah, I just think it's kind of how the system is built. Like, it's just part of the design, you know? Like, yeah. it's it's not personal, but it's just you you advance to the level that you're able to advance to until you build the muscles or build, you know, the ability to go further. Like, yeah. as a thought exercise, I will sometimes ask clients if, you know, the ones that are kind of on this path of wanting to ascend or whatever that language is for them, um, talk to me about what, like someone who's done that, someone who has ascended, a master, an ascended master or whatever, like, let's say they're on the planet right now. Tell, tell me about that person. Like, what, what are they doing? What, you know, and because in my mind, right, if you really go into that, that person is not on Instagram. They're not, you know, they're, they're not trying to, they're not showing anybody their abilities. They, and in my, from my point of view, if there's an ascended master on this planet, they're probably not trying to change anything at all. Like they're, they may be present. They may be observing. They may be able to, you know, help if they're, if, if they feel called to help, but they're not out there trying to end world war or change global warming or what, whatever, right? Like they're an ascended master. They're, they're kind of at a different level of yeah. perception and experience and existence. They're over the current thing. They're the current thing it. no longer, in, right. you know, intrigues them and, and pulls them in. Yeah. Right. And so the thing is, if you, if you, if you're there, then you're there, but we're not, nobody here is there. Right. Like, so we're here for a reason. So what is that reason? Right. What, what do you care about? Why do you care about it? You're not going to wake up one day and just not care about anything that went out on this planet. Like we're here. Like, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but it feels very much to me like there's something going on here and there's some purpose. And I think mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where, that's where the journey is, right? Oh, you mean like there might be a meaning yeah. to your human life? Like that might actually be part of what unlocks and it's the great yeah. cosmic meaning, secrets it's a, for you? It's critic. It may be critically important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I saw on Instagram the other day because sometimes I'll just, you know, self-harm and I'll like watch <laughs> something that fills me with rage. Right. And it was this person. There's there's a distinct difference in types of teachers to me. And I always view it in one behavior, which is if someone goes, this is what I've done. This is one version of how I got from A to B. It might look different from you, but this is where I unlocked that. That's one version. The other version is here's what you got to do. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. And this person was doing the latter. And in my head, all of a sudden popped in the, the C.S. Lewis quote from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Aslan's talking to Jade, the White Witch, and he says, do not cite the deep magic to me, which I was there when it was written. <laughs> like, that was my reaction. I was like, what is this witch doing? Like, right. And there's a depth to that quote. Well, C.S. Lewis is a goddamn genius. You know, if you're a Christian or not, it doesn't really matter. He's a genius. And he was certainly mystical, right? Yeah. He wasn't exactly, you know, a standard Lutheran, right? But you are magic. Like, this is magic. And you don't need someone to tell you the magic spell. Well, th- yeah, my th- my heart of hearts is all about helping people understand that we have very little clue of what we're capable of in, in a positive way. We're, we're, we're inundated with information about our lower aspects as human beings, mm-hmm. what we're capable of in terms of violence and stupidity and whatever. We all, we're all very, very well aware of that, but what are we, what's our potential? And, and here's the thing, right? All the stuff we're talking about these, it's this, the, all of these distractions and rabbit holes Mm -hmm. and these teachers that say, you got to do it this way, or it's not going to work. 
all of those things take you away from your own inner knowledge, your own abilities, yeah. and understanding how to unlock and tap into your power, your actual power. Yeah, and I'm going to quote you quoting someone else, which is, they don't care what thought prison you're in as long as you're in a prison. Exactly. So it can be a new age prison. It can be a law of attraction prison. It doesn't right. have to be, you know, traditional like monotheism. It doesn't have to be the things we well, it, perceive. Well, what, what as complicates that, right, is Esther Hicks seems like a wonderful human being. Yeah. And she's not, she may not be trying to put you in a thought prison, but what what's operating through her and what's the agenda there, right? And again, it's hard for people because they will say, I've benefited from those teachings and there's, there's, it's true and it's real. And well, a lot of it is true and real. And I've, I think I have, I've lost, I don't know if I would call them friends, but I've lost people when I share that, um, demonic forces, Luciferians, like there, there are all kinds of darker things that can show up in this world and do, you know, they can take actions that appear to be very good and beneficial. Yeah. They can heal well, people, like they can yeah. do good things. But for but there's a, oh, you mean a, like John of God? Like John of God? Like there's God, always Oprah's a track record is horseshit, isn't well, it? That's it. Yeah. Damn well, it. The, the why? How and why did Oprah get to where she was to begin with? Like, what deals did she make? You know. Well, it's you know this concept. I actually quoted Macbeth yesterday on this exact topic because it was a mediumship workshop we were doing online. Really great small group and. I was talking about how sometimes, however, whatever you want to call them, you don't have to call them demons if that freaks you out. It, it's just a word. These things are just, the, words are just approximations to give you, it's a map. Well, it's not John the God called literally called them entities. He just Thank said you. The, the entities, entities are healing. Yeah. Parasites, hitchhikers, non-corporeal yeah. intelligence, yeah. whatever the fuck. I don't care. Right. But that they're very good mimics. So when you're doing work like mediumship, you know, your, your boundaries and your energetic hygiene have to be way more rigorous than in other settings, right? Right. And I quoted Macbeth. There's a conversation between Macbeth and Banquo, who's his friend, right after they run into the weird sisters that give them the prophecy that kicks, you know, the whole story is about self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And Banquo goes, it's strange that oftentimes instruments of evil will will us to our harm and earn our trust with honest trinkets. There's, I'm butchering the quote. Yeah, in yeah. other words, just because something's evil doesn't mean it's not going to tell you the truth. In fact, right. the truth is incredibly disarming. Yeah. And it's not a proof of their intention right. at all. It right. doesn't mean it's good for you. And, and I just think that that's an important thing to remember. And to that end, why don't you talk a little bit about the event you went to? Because you, you had an interesting experience with a, a channel who's quite yeah. powerful and someone you've been following. And I think this is an important lesson for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, well, and I want to be thoughtful and careful how I present this, but it was eye opening to me. I went to a Bashar event. Bashar is a, well, I think Bashar describes himself or themselves as an alien um, from, I think from the future, but they're here or something. And, but, but Bashar is channeled through a person named Daryl Anka. And I've listened to Bashar off and on for a long time and found a lot of value in the teachings. There's Bashar teaches, I forget what he's calling it now, the formula or the, in the past, I think I've heard him call it a toolbox. Again, very, I, I have benefited from it. It's been really, really valuable information. And I really believe that if I had gone to the same event three or four years ago, I would have had a very different experience. And so I think the pan, the pandemic years have opened my eyes to a lot of things and this is fascinating to me just from the lens of discernment and what discernment is, what it means, the importance of it. And yeah, so I mean, the, the 
the event was was really was really fascinating on many levels. There were like seven hundred people there. Um, I'm glad I went. I had overall a good experience. Daryl Anka seems like a like a really wonderful human being. I saw him, you know, when he wasn't channeling and and whatnot. But I'll just share that in person, my I felt that what I was perceiving something very clear in terms of what Bashar is uh, or isn't, and. And I, and I, and the reason I want to be careful and thoughtful is there were a lot of really good hearted people there. And some of them, yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a good number of them maybe are even more recently awakened to any of this kind of stuff. Like I've heard, I've met several people who said before the pandemic, I would have, I would have thought this was all crazy, but here I am because, you know, they got locked at home and started doing the YouTube thing. So yeah, it's, it's complicated, but I mean, I, there's just at a, at a very high level, what I experienced, I felt that Bashar was very clearly stating it's that it has a job to do. Like it would be asked questions that it would very clearly say, I'm not going to answer that because it's not my job. And, and I'm, what I'm so for, for anyone who hasn't been to one of these kinds of events, it, they, the, the channel is up on a stage and then people are invited up at a certain point in time to ask questions to the being, you know, so they're interacting with Bashar, the, the, the alien mm-hmm. and, and the alien is is answering their questions, and they and the person could ask literally anything. So there were cases where people were asking, you know, certain significant questions to the person. But but there were a couple cases where I was like, yeah, that's not my job, and which was kind of fascinating. And the, there there were a couple moments though where it just was very 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 clear that Bashar really doesn't have any human empathy or compassion, and. And it's a little tricky because Bashar is very witty, is uh, clearly has a sense of humor. But again, like who knows how much of that is the entity itself versus what it is utilizing inside of Daryl Anka. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that has this question, like, it, you know, if this being is so, it, it, it claims to be very, from a very advanced species and whatnot. And if it's so advanced and it wants to teach us, I'm fascinated that it has to work through a human being to begin with. Like, why is that? Why is there one human being that this whole species has to leverage to communicate to humanity? It's a very interesting dynamic. Well, and um, this is not about my ego, but as someone who has had contact in channeling work yeah. in other shamanic work with what we would consider incredibly high level entities, yeah. not one of them has ever, ever asked me to communicate a message to yeah. anyone else. It is not, it, it doesn't come in at all into yeah. the mix and there's none of this you got to warn people or you got to communicate this da, 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 none of that because yeah. the the implication i've always received is they're busy doing that that's their scope i have my scope yeah and I, i'm doing I, the work i'm supposed to be doing yeah yeah i went i did a qhht session quantum healing hypnosis technique the, the dolores cannon work back in i think around 2017 and that is a form, it's a form of channeling your higher self in as mm-hmm. part of the work. And that opened me up and my higher self told me that I would be able to do this kind of communication. And I've, so I've done a little bit of channeling and then now for years now, it's, I think kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I'm channeling primarily for my own benefit, for my own soul's growth and evolution. And I'm really grateful because I, I really do, you know, as I step back and, you know, I, I recently shared in my Substack a video from Courtney Brown who runs the Sparsight Institute, which is all about remote viewing. And Courtney Brown has a very has a very clear point of view that a lot of these human channelers are very 
good-hearted people that are being manipulated and that they're being manipulated by entities that have been manipulating humanity for millions and millions of years. So how could any one human being, you know, it's, it's not trivial to think that yeah. you could outsmart something that's that ancient and knows humanity that well, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not really here. I'm not placing judgment on Daryl Inka or, or Bashar. I mean, what was fascinating is I really felt that Bashar is here to do a job. I'm not saying that job is evil. I, what I do, what I did recognize is that I'm not in alignment with the job that Bashar is here to do. And I feel like there may have been any number of people there that were there because they are in alignment with that. Yeah. And it, again, it's I do believe that there are things in this world that are just it's just that's evil. Like I do think evil is real, and I think evil is here. But then there's a whole lot of gray, and there's a whole yeah. lot of you know it's much more about alignment and what what we're again it comes back to us knowing what what our job is, what I'm here to do, so that I'm not taken off track and distracted. Yeah, and that, that was the, the big uh, shiny object, right? There, yeah. exactly. And and the, the other key thing about about my experience there was, again, it comes back to what is being omitted. Mm-hmm. I think Bashar is teaching real spiritual truths, universal spiritual truths that can be very beneficial. But I also believe there were times where people were asking questions. I mean, there there was a, just sorry to go on about this, but it's kind of important. There was a specific case of a of a person who had been really kind of seriously abused as a child. And was asking Bashar for help. And Bashar's answer was, change your thoughts. And it goes away. Right? So I'm a healer. I've worked with yeah. people. I've, I work with trauma. I, and I'm just going to tell people, because I think there are a lot of people who will be like, oh, well, that's real. It's true. If you can change your thoughts, it, it does go away. Well, I, no, it's really not that simple. Uh, trauma gets stored in your body. You can't yeah, just change your- At a cellular your, level. Yeah. Right. You cannot just literally wake up one day and think, oh, I'm going to change my thoughts. And all that trauma vanishes. I don't believe it's that simple. And I think that, again, this goes back to like a kind of a victim blaming. And, well, literally what yes. Bashar said to this person is, why do you keep torturing yourself? Why do you keep abusing yourself by by not letting go of your thoughts? And this is a person that was very seriously abused as a child. So again, like the healer in me says, like, there's something not right there, right? There's something not quite right. It's not human. It's not It doesn't human. have to be evil, but I think humans anthropomorphize spirits and give them human attributes a well, lot the whole thing with with because i am you know because of my own childhood experiences i am involved with and and exploring the the whole like extraterrestrial et ufology space and again it's it's fascinating because there the, there's all this compartmentalization and you know like i've shared many times i've went to lilydale to talk to mediums and they wouldn't let they wouldn't talk about anything alien and i'm like this is weird but there's a temptation, and it seems there are a lot of people that will look at the alien thing through a, a very polarizing lens. Like, either they're all demons, or they're they're here to save us, or they're right. all evil. Like, like why is it so hard to just, you know, be open to the possibility that there are maybe very many different groups of entities of beings, and there maybe th- there's individuals. There's individuals within that, yes. right? And there, and there may be like beings, there may be beings that are claiming to be aliens that aren't aliens. Mm-hmm. There could be government programs where they're projecting thoughts that where they're saying we're from whatever Pleiades or whatever. I just think there's the whole thing has gotten so wild. Like again, we have to get grounded. We have to know what's in our own heart. We have to not lie to ourselves. Like there's just yeah. everybody's getting addicted to the pretty pictures, right? Like that's what Instagram Toxic represents. Positivity and spiritual yeah. bypassing. Exactly. And, you know, it was interesting not to harp on the the darker side of things. This is actually ultimately a very funny kind of anecdote, I think. 
So as you know, and I wrote about on Substack, I had quite the hitchhiker come in with a client. And I'm, you know me, Roger, I'm the person you call like when you're like, hey, I think there's, I think there's a demon. I don't know. There's not like everything's not that calm down, right, exactly. sage your house. Don't give it any more loosh, you know, that lower vibrational energy or motion. It, it's feeding off your, maybe your fear or whatever. Just humans, this is our space. 3D is actually our jam. We're here. We're in charge. It's your house. It's your body. It's your spirit. You know, and I train and empower people. So <laughs> this experience was after a lifetime of being bothered by entities, a one of a kind, a one of a kind, and did not see it coming. And a lot of the things that were very effective previously were less so with this thing and caught through, through you know, when you have contact with these things and you're a psychic, you get clues about who and what it is. And I oh, did yeah. a little research. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's more references to you in the Bible then all of the angels combined, right? Then, then any one of the prophets, and that's wild. And uh, I'm in a deeper end of the pool at this moment, and just had to stay on it. And thank God, you know, I had had a background in this, and I knew what to do. And I, I got a little pissed, which always helps. And I was like, you know what? Enough! Like, what a pain in the ass this is. And just kept moving it, calling in guides, and I sort of very in a very cursory way drop this to someone I was working with. Like, you know, because they were just like, well, there's no such thing as bad things. I'm like, dude, I don't want to bum you out, but I'm going to level with you because I'm not fixated on this shit. I'm actually not even a believer. I'm not a religious believer. These are things that just show up like a fucking possum in the backyard. Like it's, it's real. And it's, it, it ragdolled and big brothered me for a week, yeah. as you recall. And I was like, I'm fucking in it with this thing. And he, this reaction from this person right off the bat was, well, don't you surround yourself with white light? And I'm like, no. hey, hey, Moses had years of going back and forth with this thing. Right. Do you think you're better than Moses? Like, do you like... I don't. I don't think I'm levels above Moisha, who led his people out of slavery in Egypt and part of the goddamn Red Sea. It came down with the tablets and all the... Like, I don't think I'm better than that. And so, you know, just the humility and the awareness of like, yeah, I have holy water in the house. I make a spray called holy water with sage. I know how these things work. Sometimes it's not enough. You know, I eventually got out of it. But that reaction of like, well, don't you surround yourself with white light? I'm like, this isn't a toxic person at an office party right right like this isn't the emotional vampire in the cubicle next to you this is like it was worshipped as a god in samaria for tens of thousands of years like know where you are it's it's a right people they're trying to they will just they want to they want to be safe they want to pretend and and there's also just all these there's always like not always there are there are a lot of times where people find themselves consciously or unconsciously negotiating and trying to do something transactional like if I do X, Y, Z, then I'll be protected. If I do X, Y, Z, then I'll make money. Like, like, no, you have to take chances. Everything is about being vulnerable and taking chances in this world. Yeah. And I didn't have an ego reaction, but it is interesting that someone who comes to you for your knowledge or experience to, to benefit from those things yeah. would then kind of like intimate that you're being uh, incompetent or impotent yeah. and like, don't you just, and it's like, in what universe do you think I didn't consider right. some things? Like I, oh, I got yeah. this a little bit and it was just a funny moment of like, what a, what a bunch of fairy tales out there. Well, that's, 
and I think you you said this one time when we were talking about some of the stuff about kind of the OCD aspect of it, right? It's people, an amulet, yeah, it protects yeah, you, right? People get yeah. very it's very easy for for some to get obsessive about doing all the right things, all the right motions, all the right yeah. It's and if I just do this, everything's going to be fine. It's like and then no. when it's not fine, they blame themselves, right? And then some, right. I, I'll never forget. Like I think I heard Caroline Mace on a like she's on stage talking to an audience. Yeah, she's very, very, yeah, very grounded, real world person. And she was telling a story, right, about a friend of hers. She was going to visit a friend who had fallen off a bike and hurt her head or whatever. And she was at the hospital visiting her friend. And her friend was going on and on and on about what did I do to cause this? How did I attract this or yeah. whatever? And Caroline Mace is like, sometimes shit happens, right? Like, yeah. Like, we're in this physical world. Like, there are a million variables every moment of every day. The first time I interacted with a negative entity, and this is what shook me quite violently out of atheism as as a very young person in my early 20s. Yeah. I didn't have a care in the world. You want to talk about law of attraction? I was in a great place. Life was grand. I was happy. I was living alone. I wasn't scared. I wasn't, I wasn't quote, drawing any of this to me. But- a man down the hall for me died in the building and his wife left his body in there for three days and something wow. that had been attached to it started wandering around right. looking for food. And I, I, it's other people experience things in that building at that, like this was a shared experience between me and my neighbors. It was wild and I had to let new data in. And so I think, you know, the map, is not the territory. I had a map. I had a map at that time that, you know, we were products of evolutionary biology. We came out of primordial ooze. There's yeah. nothing else going on. All of the quote psychic experiences of my childhood, positive or negative, were a result of the trauma in my family, in my home. You know, I I'd found a little container for everything. It was very right. neat. And yep. it made sense to me. And trust me, you know, there is an unburdening that comes with atheism. I I actually am quite jealous of them. I mean that was a nice place to be. And yet here comes the new, here comes the territory, right? Like yeah. life happens. And yeah, I have a real issue with telling yourself or others that they can draw wealth to them, but also that any bad things that happen to them are their fault. And if you look at toxic cults, abusive relationships, coercive control dynamics, this is the foundational cornerstone of it. Yep. You know, Nexium Keith Raniere was like, well, if you're at cause, you know, which you basically stole this concept from Scientology, then everything that happens to you is your will and you're accountable and you did this. And yep. what a great cover for a sexual abuser, financial oh, yeah. abuser, an, an exploitative monster is, well, you know, you're here, so you did this. Right. And and what it does is it confuses the person because, right, yeah. like they, they then start swirling around trying to make sense of it and confusion is is what's really being deployed against humanity right that's that is how we're being controlled we're you know they there are a lot of there are a lot of forms that it takes but underneath it all we're very distracted and confused so yesterday you didn't know this uh, actually but full moon so of course i got my period and i was really emotional and as you know gus has tendonitis that i've been feeling off and on because my dog and i are connected as, it, as in his dark materials connected. The running right. joke in the house is Gus is my demon, a.k.a. Yep. soul. Yep. And uh, instead of after the workshop I taught, instead of getting a bunch of stuff done, and trust me, there's always stuff to do, I laid with the dog for a couple of hours on the ground. Like I got a pillow and I laid down with him 
And I was just really present with him. And I realized just psychically really tuning in, being really quiet and patient. I was like, oh, he's fine. He's going to be fine by tomorrow. And people don't think of that as like spiritual work or magic or because there's not a name to it. You don't get a certification. <laughs> there's no workshop. But it's it, it is spirituality to go, I trust myself and my senses, whether they're psychic or physical, in tuning into this and seeing if my, my dog's okay. Instead of yeah. going to an outside authority or getting a bunch of opinions or having a pet communicator or going to a bunch of different vets or that, 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 and getting really busy, busy yeah. and noisy. Yeah. And it's like he's, I, I hurt myself sometimes too, working out. Totally. It doesn't mean you're dying. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, as people, everyone's at a different point, right? On their own growth and their own evolution. And all of the things, a lot of the things we're talking about are completely natural. They're completely okay. Yeah. It's all a question of, of balance and, and equilibrium and, and, and understanding that at the end of the journey, your life may appear to be exactly the way it looks now, right? In other words, right? Because I've, I've also been dealing with this where there are certain people that maybe are making judgments about my life. And I'm like, every moment of my day is an opportunity to do my yeah. spiritual work. Whether I'm at, I might be on a, an annoying work call. I might be dealing with who knows what, right? But it's, it's all about understanding ourselves and where we are in this universe. Isn't Working that also... With that a gratitude practice when you're totally absolutely you see everything as a series of incredible opportunities yeah and you also give yourself credit for how far you've come because you check in with yourself and your wins are your own if you have teachers trainers any of that your wins should still kind of be your own like yesterday with the dog i'm like you know with my last dog henry the eighth if this had been happening i would have panicked i would have taken him to the vet right away to abate my anxiety right and relied on an outside authority and not like you shouldn't take your pet to the vet. Trust me, there are occasions for that. But right. like in this case, I've gotten somewhere different. I'm not as obsessive compulsive. I don't need to find a home for my anxiety and get somebody else to tell me everything's going to be okay the way I did when I was younger. Yeah, And that's progress, right? Absolutely. For some reason, I'm being reminded of one of the valuable experiences you get from fasting. And yeah. the, the point, right, is that we're our culture... And, our, and it's way big in our spiritual communities too, is always, at, everything is additive. You got to add on, buy things, add a practice, do a new mantra, do this, do that, buy this supplement, do, you know, it's just endless. It's, a, it's an absolutely endless way to go about things. Whereas many times the answer is be quiet, sit still, yeah. let go, right? Those are the things that can bring you back to center. And it's amazing what difficulties in your lives can be resolved, completely resolved by doing absolutely nothing at at times. Yep. It's the hardest thing to do. Nothing. Right. At least for me. I would say that I, I see it in others a right. lot too, and it explains quite a bit. But what you just described is, you know, the the cultivation of negative space. Right. Yeah. And I mean negative isn't bad. I mean negative right. isn't there's not something there. It's quiet or it's empty or whatever. Is there's a concept in Japan called ikibana that I love. Every time I see ikibana, I'm drawn to it. I feel happier. And it's an art of floral arranging where they don't arrange the flowers. They, ar- they arrange and manipulate the negative space. 
So it's distinctly like asymmetric, but balanced and incredibly beautiful. And they try and look at the natural form of the flowers and the plants and maximize that. And it really is a part of their religion, Shinto. And I, I, I guess one thing, maybe if we could pivot this to things people can do. Yeah, you know, to, to tune out the noise or just reset or recalibrate. One of them for me is like ikibana in life. So if you look at your day or your week or even your spiritual practice, what are the things you want to maybe remove today that yeah. gives more grace and beauty to what remains? Right? Like, how do I really tune this? If it was music, you're tuning it. You don't need more instruments or more notes. Like sometimes it's the removal of those things that makes it sing, if you will. What would you recommend for people to sort of just tools, little practices to get back in touch with themselves instead of, you know, the noise or the maps? Well, it's going to sound possibly over overly simplistic, but any kind of grounding practice, right, where someone is intentionally, consciously bringing themselves into the moment and observing what's going on inside their body and what they're sensing outside of their body and just being in a quiet place. And it doesn't have to be a big time commitment, right? It can be yeah. five minutes, 10 minutes. It was funny, as you were mentioning mentioning that, I was reminded of a wonderful thing Dr. Wayne Dyer did a number of years ago. I really like him, by the way. Yeah. And even though he also had his thing with Shot of God, but Dr. Wayne Dyer, he did he did a whole thing on the the Lord's Prayer, but as you as he said pieces of it, he he said you focus on the gap in the middle, and there was like an ohm in the middle, and so again, it's like I bring that up to say anywhere where you can create space. Uh, I think Dr. J would talk about the law of empty shelves. So if you anybody that is that is in the space of wanting abundance or wanting to bring new things into their lives, a partner or whatever, yeah. I mean, just try to understand that. You have to create space in your life first, right? If you if you're just if your mind is busy twenty four seven and your energy body is like noisy and rattled all the time, uh, there's no space in your life for anything good to come in. Yeah. So just create and, space. You know, even if you create space and you do all these things, one thing I do want to point out is it doesn't actually guarantee you anything. Of course, it's good to do. You should do it because it's. It's actually a good in and of itself, to use an Aristotle term. It's not a means to an end. Like, you'll yeah. benefit regardless. But one of my favorite parts of the Old Testament, you know, I'm an Old Testament girl, except for Revelation. I like I like the action. I like right. what the action is. And when God was sort of, like, in a having a mood disorder, <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> and in the book of Job, Job is, like, the perfect spiritual man. And he's... He's amassed abundance, but he's kind. He prays every day. Like he does everything right. He's good mm-hmm. to everybody. He's kind, generous, etc. And God and the devil, who's Hasatan, which by the way translates to um, the adversary or the high prosecutor. So this is back when they were still teaming up. So timelines get muddy. It gets very interesting. And the devil goes, Well, of course he prays to you every day. And of course he's grateful and he's faithful because you've, you know, look at his life. His life's great. What happens if we take those things away? You think he's still going to pray to you? And they literally made a bet on Job. Yeah. And he ends up covered in boils. Everybody's dead. His farm animals are all dead. He has nothing. He's homeless. He's diseased. He's suffering. And literally in that part of the Bible, the devil goes to God. He's like, dude, like, can we stop this now? <laughs> like, 
you know, he's still praying to you. I, I get it. I lost. I lost the bet. And God goes, no, no. And, and it's just one of those incredible moments. And, you know, Job looks up at the whirlwind. It's the language used. And the whirlwind stares back at him. And it's the most Nietzsche German French, French existentialist thing you'll ever read. Because it, it basically says there are no guarantees. God, the universe, does not work for you. And, right. you know, shit happens. And, you know, you're not in charge of God, whatever right. that means to you, whether it's a Yahweh figure, it's more, you know, vague than that. You're not the boss here. And that surrender. I mean, it's dark shit, but I think it, it's what I remember. And I'm not, again, I'm not religious. And I'm certainly not, you know, Jewish or Christian, which is like where that that exists. But for me, it's a good reminder of like, anytime I start reacting like, why can't I just get a break? And, you know, yeah. the ego flare up right, of like, right. I do everything right. Why is this happening to me? I'm like, well, I'm not covered in boils and I'm not staring at a whirlwind. So today was a win. Well, it, it helps break that cycle of expecting. Yeah, you, you people become attached to the outcome in the physical world. And if, mm-hmm. if people, you'll hear this phrase a lot in the spiritual community that you're not a human being, you're a spirit having a human experience. If you really believe that, then you want to focus on evolving and caring for your spirit. And yeah. the spirit is time, it may be timeless, right? So what does one lifetime matter in terms of the physical appearance of things? Yeah. So if you really are coming from a place of soul and spirit, then these things aren't as important as they seem, right? From the ego level, the physical personality level. Yeah. And lowering that importance really is what opens you up to experiencing the things that are really important that may not be, I, I, you and I've talked a lot about this, but just to, you know, I know we're kind of wrapping up, but forever and ever and ever on our planet, I think humans had access to, could talk about the unseen world. Like it, yeah. it, it was a part of the human experience. And it's only in very recent times that we have been trained and programmed to talk about that. Like it's woo and crazy and weird and silly and whatever. But no, we we all have access to it, and we all are interacting with the unseen world. So that's so yeah. Whatever happens on the surface happens on the surface. Like we don't control it. We we may interact with it in some ways, mm-hmm. but there's every moment is a moment to practice gratitude, no matter what's happening. Yeah, and you know maybe your destiny is to endure some things and and gain the understanding that comes from a degree of suffering or whatever it might be. Well, it's, I've, it's I've a, used the phrase, the, who am I to rob somebody of their trauma? Their trauma right. may be their greatest teacher. So it's not my job as a healer to extract trauma from somebody or like rip it out of them. Like trauma, I've worked with people who it's been pretty clear to me that they are at a soul level holding on to trauma because they, they the person hasn't yet gotten to the place where they can learn the lesson of that trauma. Yeah. So it's not my job, right? Like trauma, trauma is terrible. I don't wish it on anybody, but we're we're all here. We're we're mag- there's a magnificent opportunity to grow and develop and tap into our potential here. And what advice would you give a practitioner who feels at a loss when someone has, you know, expectations, however irrational, yeah. that are being unmet? Like, what do you recommend someone do in that case where they they have to say like I can't give you what you want, but oh, yeah. with these tools you might get what you need. For the next every, I mean, I think it's every relationship to Dr. J would say as a healer, it may be your karma. It, it may be the karma of your client 
that they have to see 100 healers before they find the one that will help them. And it may be your karma as a healer to be number two in that yeah. list. And to if you look at it from that perspective, that's great. You, you, you let go and you just realize you're, you're doing your part. You're doing the best you can. But as a coach or a healer, it's never on us what the outcome is. We show, it is on us to show up, to be in our full power, to be also genuinely humble, yeah. and then to get out of the way and let the work happen. And that's all we can do, uh, ever. It, it's really interesting the way you worded that. I like that a lot. And I think it's it's an interesting dynamic with clients when you go like, I, I can't, I can't give you what you're asking for. And sometimes that's its own medicine. And I've noticed, and it's not just spiritual practitioners, you know, life coaches or business yeah. coaches go, well, you know, these people, and you'll always hear these people. I'm always like, oh shit, here we go. These people, you shouldn't yeah. resent your own customer base or client base at all. Right. But why won't they, I know things. Why won't they let me help them? I have to help them. Or if someone's being rude or they're, they're really in trauma, they're like, I just, I gotta go. I gotta help them. I gotta pull them out of the fire. And it's like, bro, no, you don't. That That's a recipe for disaster. It's not on you. You didn't cause the problem. All you can do is like your scope of services yeah. within a normal, you, you don't need to go into the fire with them and get burned. And I think there's a, a, a compulsion to do that because as you pointed out, most of us who do this work have trauma. Yeah. And so we see ourselves in these people. We basically are in a Freudian loop trying to pull ourselves out of the fire all over yeah. the place. Yeah. And you just get all banged up. It's well, yeah. It's it. What you're really doing at a certain level is you're commingling, you're mixing up the karma, right? You are yep. taking on their karma, and you are putting your karma onto them at the same time. It's, I, I, I can understand. I did it. I when I was very young, out of college, I worked with, I worked with kids that were troubled, and I literally, even at that time, had this vision that they're like out in a stormy ocean drowning, and I had to go out into that stormy water and risk myself to connect with them to bring them back, and yep. that's a that is a that's a heroic mindset, and that doesn't serve anybody, right? Yeah. If you're a skilled practitioner, you're not playing hero. You're not you're not a hero. You, you're doing a job, and you have a skill. And yeah, you have to keep it clean because when you're when your karma is mixed up, right? Weird things will always transpire. Yeah. I would also leave everyone with just a quick note: if you're psychic or you're an energy practitioner, any of this, odds are you're going to see people's potential. Right. Especially if you're a second chakra dominant, like I am, like yeah. Dr. J's book writes about it. And uh, I do see where, where people can go. And I'm always shocked when they don't, they go, they zig instead of zag. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like over there. And it, it's tough in those cases, but it's also their free will. And I just totally. want every practitioner to remember humans have free will. They might be in pain. They might be struggling. They might be confused and disoriented. You know, yeah. the many maps have, have twisted them all up, but you can't pull them out of that. Like you, it's you not just your job, can't, right? you know, you can't live yeah. their life for them. They have to, when they leave a session, they're going to make the decisions they make. They're going to do what they do. All you can control truly is how you're going to react to that and how you're going to either proceed or not proceed. And if you proceed, how? And this goes back to the power of acceptance. And I, I love, I, it's funny the things you remember. And I remember hearing Sonia Chiquette share, she used to do a radio show. And Sonia Chiquette's a very well-known psychic from Chicago, who I think now lives in Paris or something. But she used to do a radio show. And she, a caller had called in about some difficulty in how to help people. And she said, Sonia Chiquette said, the most powerful thing you can do for anyone 
is to see them as they truly are. And she didn't go, she didn't articulate what that really meant, but it, let, it stuck with me. And I began to think, what does that really mean to see somebody as they truly are? And to your point, I think we all have the innate ability anyways, to see people in their highest aspects, to see their true potential. And so it's this dual thing of seeing what they're capable of in a good way, seeing what their, what their potential is and really witnessing that and putting your consciousness on that because they, at some level, they will know it and they will feel it. But you also have to 1000% totally accept that they are where they are. They're making the choices they're making. It's their choice. It's their free will. Just, just like you said, but you can do both at the same time. Yeah. It's tough out there. Sure so, is. <laughs> Roger, High Mesa Mystic podcast. Where else can everybody find you? HighMesaMystic.com, HighMesaMystic.show are the, probably the two best places. Yeah. 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 And it's funny that we're talking about this because I'm a, you know, I'm going to start coaching work again in January with new people. And it's just such a reminder of like why I do those free consults ahead of time. It's to mm-hmm. really determine if there's alignment. And if it's a good fit for everybody, because honestly, that's the one piece of work I do where I have to be like, everybody's energy has to be cool. Right. Don't be all uncool. In the words of Countess Lewin de Lesseps of Real Hunts Vibes in New York City, be cool. Don't be all don't, uncool. Don't harsh my vibe. Don't harsh my vibe. <laughs> so thank you, Roger. Yep. Thank you. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, you know, our, yes. our sponsor is oh, going to have my fucking yeah. ass. Yeah, don't. You, you almost got us both in deep trouble. She is such a bitch. Let's call a card from the Totem Terror guy. So Sweet. I don't get a nasty lawyer letter. <laughs> Can you imagine if I sent myself a lawyer letter where I was like, it's come to our attention. And I use the, the British we, like the collective we, and I said right. something menacing. So, Roger, let's pull a card. Is yes. there anything on your mind or you want to look at? You want to see what's going to happen in the world? I'm totally open. Whatever comes totally up. Totally open. Okay, yeah. let's see. It's funny because the deck is like unusually energized. It was like, yeah, you almost got me, bitch. <laughs> so interesting. So seven of crystals, i.e. seven of coins the card of divine timing and patience. It's funny Mm. because the metaphor with that card is you have a fruit tree, right? And it's going to yield some apples, let's say. And you can't accelerate the apples showing up or ripening. I mean, not naturally, right? And you also have to be vigilant and be paying attention because when they are ripe, you need to pick them so they don't fall in the wrong. So it's this idea of like managing, what we're talking about managing the part that you're in control of, Right. which is being present with it, but also allowing the unfolding of time. And this card tends to mean that there's there's a confluence of serendipity. And I, I always think of the definition I like of luck when I see that card, which is hard work and preparation needing opportunity, like intersecting nice. with opportunity, because you need both. And without one without the other, you don't get that moment, that stroke of what people perceive as luck. Oh, I love it. That's I great. love it too. It's a good card. All right. Now nice. now I won't have to deal with her because she's a real <laughs> she's a real nightmare. Thank you, Roger, and take care. Thank you, Rachel. 